I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. And now, it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, thank you very much for uh, making us part of your day. What's going on over there, Ben? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there. I uh, feel like we're, uh, we're scrambling into the show today because we uh, were talking David James' ear off yeah. about uh, his great... George Klyavkov interview this morning, uh, DJ and PK. Uh, we're going to replay a little bit of that coming up. Uh, but it was that's the Pac-12 commissioner. It was very good. And Let's do they'll, it. They'll have that up in podcast form. First of all, you yeah. don't get the commissioner of the Pac-12 every day on the station, but when you do, let's hear from it because I'd love to hear it too. Ben, I have the I have this uh, this I think natural inclination to dislike conference commissioners. Yeah, I agree with you. They're generally a bad guy. And I interviewed Klyavkov at uh, Pac-12 Media Day and, uh, you know, of course, uh, hearing other interviews and reading other interviews with him across uh, the country, really. I really like the guy so far. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to decide if I'm getting bamboozled okay. or if I actually like the dude. Because I really like... Well, this morning with DJ and PK, I loved all of his answers except one. And we can we can dive into that one if you really want to. But the, the, the answers that you hear that are, are really likable and they seem to have vision and they don't seem to be BS. Okay. You, you covered Larry Scott. Yep. 
That guy was full of it. The guy was lying every, every time he opened his mouth. That guy was full lies of it. Lies were coming out. And he was just selling. And what's the hilarious thing about Larry Scott was that the lies were all to benefit him and never the conference. <laughs> that, was, that was such a great scam that he was running to just stay in his job as long as he could, live uh, the high life and make so much money and I'm not calling him a scam artist but he is but the fact that every lie he said was just to keep him in position is incredible oh he was just selling it so so here's why I'm naturally inclined to dislike conference commissioners I think and then this isn't just exclusive to to Larry Scott but he does seem to kind of embody it but conference commissioners usually are people that can go into a room you, let me, let me, they're elites that usually can go into a room full of elite academics yep. and tell these elite academics what they want to hear enough so that they get hired. Right. Now, here's the thing. The elite academics, most of the time, have no idea about how to run, essentially, a sports franchise. No clue whatsoever. And their priorities are usually in a completely different place. Right. So, for example, Larry Scott can walk in to a room full of uh, academic elites and say, man, I just love women's rowing. Yeah. And you love women's rowing. And we want to put women's rowing on television. And we want to make equal opportunity for all and all this all this fluff that appeals to their audience in this case is what uh, the, the, the panel that actually hires the commissioners for the most part is like three presidents and chancellors. Correct. And so in order to sell your message, but but anyway, you hire somebody who's completely unqualified to do the job. In Larry's case, you, you look at his background and you say, well, he was the commissioner of women's tennis. So Larry Scott is smart enough to ride the coattails of the greatest athlete the right. world has ever seen. Right. That's that's right. his that's his claim to fame. Okay. Like terrific. David Stern looked like he couldn't miss for a long time. It's like, well, he had Michael. Yeah. <laughs> it helped. And he had uh, uh, Magic and Showtime leading sure. it in. Right. I mean. Yes. It was an easy time to hey, decide quick, you want to run. promote yeah. or uh, market that guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what, I, you know what right. I'm saying? Correct. And with Klyavkov, his background is way different, which I kind of like, because he's coming from a business background. He's coming from a background where he probably had to be, be pretty savvy to get to where he wanted to go, to where he got Right. Whereas, you know, Larry said, hey, put Serena on TV. This will do it. <laughs> and anyway, uh, sorry, Ben, I know I'm windy on this, but he, he got into the story of how he got hired. Okay. And and PK asked a great question. He said, did you know that you were going to get the buy-in from the universities financially to do what you want to do? You know, did you get that assurance right. when you got the job? And he goes... Honestly, I didn't think I was going to get the job, so huh. I just went in there firing. Huh, interesting. He was like, I went with complete honest transparency because I thought there's not a snowball's chance I'm getting this kid. Huh. So what he told them is he said, hey, this is the Conference of Champions, and he rattled off all the stuff Larry Scott used to rattle off. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, here we go. You know, the old commissioner sales job, here's right. a, here, here it comes. And he said, that's really great. To the to the presidents, he said that's that's really terrific that that those programs have had so much success. They're not going to have that success, let alone exist, if we don't invest in football and basketball. Right, correct. 
football and basketball make up for pert near 100% of the budget. And he said that. He's like, football's 70, basketball's 30. Yeah. And if those aren't, and I, I think he said economic engine at some point. Correct. But if those aren't churning, the women ain't rowing. And they hired him. Yeah, right. They hired him. They, finally, finally, these guys are like, okay, the, the touchy-feely stuff is great, but we right. need a pit bull right. who's going to go out there and, and hammer this stuff out. Because ultimately, above all, Ben, you know what our ideal is? Money! And look, that's not a knock on the sports at all. It's not a knock on the ability to have rowing, volleyball, softball, baseball, anything like that. It's just a part of the deal. It's just a part of the agreement. And yes, you need people to buy football to be able to have the rest of those programs. And that's a good thing. Having those programs is all a very good thing. Yes. That doesn't end up being a bad thing. We have kind of, for some reason, turned it to make it feel like because football is this juggernaut, that's bad for the other sport, sports. It's like, no, it's great for the other sports. You well, need to have all those other things. Yeah. Well, that's what the people who, who knock on a- amateurism constantly ignore. The whole point of it is to even the playing field ab- ab- across a bunch of other great ideals. The The football team should be supporting the rowing team yeah. because it's amateur athletics. Right. It's part of education. Right. We're, we're doing these people good, supposedly. So it's not supposed to be about... Anyway, sorry. No, sorry, you're right. Man. It's kind of the reverse uh, of what... Right. The, everyone's heard this about Costco, right? People love their rotisserie chickens over at Costco. But apparently, and this is the rumor, is that Costco loses money on their rotisserie chickens. But people like eating them so much, they go in and buy them, and then what happens? They're in the store, and you're not leaving Costco without spending $100. It's kind of the inverse of that, right? Like, you have to have football to get the rotisserie chickens. Like, it's the store. Football is the store that is Costco. Every other sport is the rotisserie chicken that you also like to have while you're in there. But you need to have the big store in the first place to even be in a spot where you can lose money to have those types of things that people like. And it's great that those are opportunities because they create opportunities for athletes. Those athletes get college educations. Maybe they go to the Olympics. Maybe they just use their college education to go and get a real job. That's fantastic. But yes, you need to have football and basketball there to just have that even be a possibility and the better they are the more opportunities going to create for everybody else yep and that was his message and that got him hired good that's, that's what they needed to hear it wasn't we want to promote them and put them on TV and all this stuff that does not matter yeah it was we want to keep them in uniforms right. we want to keep women's rowing right. with boats floating correct and Rising you know what tides. the the, the chan- presidents and chancellors I think made a good decision for once I mean, Craig Thompson was similar, right? An elite who just kind of went out and sold the company line and yeah. didn't have any sort of vision and just tried to make a bad situation seem good all of the time because he knew all and he knew better than you and on and on and on. Ollie, I mean, Craig Thompson actually was quite the visionary with the Mountain Network as sure. disastrous sure. as it was. I mean, everybody followed suit. Correct. He just didn't have the right product at the right time. Right. And then just went out there instead of either making it better or figuring out something else to do. It was just like, no, you're the problem. It's great. Trust me. And I was thinking about Craig Thompson when you were talking about your desire to dislike conference commissioners. Because my question was, have we in the state of Utah in modern sports history, meaning, you know, 1995 and sooner. I don't know who the commissioner was of the WAC. Excuse me. But, Carl Benson. Okay, Carl Benson. But 1998, Craig Thompson takes over yep. at Mountain West Conference. And so, like, modern history, when we're really talking about what modern sports look like today, you've had Craig Thompson, Larry Scott, or you've been independent, if you're BYU. Like, you just have not had great commissioners. 
you know, unfortunately, you just haven't. So I do think there's an understand. There, it's understandable why you would be. Why you would doubt whether or not that's a person that can do a job. I'm so glad we're talking about Carl Benson today. Yeah. Because he is the un- he is the absolute example, probably the poster boy for what I'm talking about here. And if Carl's listening, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> but Carl was the commissioner of the WAC until that fateful, fateful day. Yeah. And he remained commissioner of the yep. WAC until the WAC has ceased to exist, yep. I think. Uh, certainly does in football. I don't know if they're trying to tape it together still in basketball or what's going on there. But, but Ben, slowly chipped away. Oh, sure. The WAC. Remember, Boise State used to be in the WAC. I mean, just right. chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped. And somehow all, he bamboozled all these schools that were like left to be like, no, I'm doing a good job. I know the league is, is headed to nowhereville, but you know what? You're, 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 I'm actually doing a good job. Don't believe your own eyes, Ben. Yeah, right, right. Don't believe yeah. your own... Nothing you're seeing is real. No, nothing. I'm still killing it. But it is what's amazing, and why you hope that Klyakov works off and, or works out, and we're going to let you hear from him in about, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes here, hopefully, a uh, conversation he had with DJ and PK. And actually, we're writing a story up about it right now at kslsports.com, so that will be up in just a moment as well with the podcast. If you are getting out of your car, you don't think you're going to be able to hear it, you can find it at kslsports.com coming up likely before the end of the hour. Uh, but, but it's just so obvious when you hire the right man or woman for a job, yeah, when there's been the wrong person there for like, so long. Like this show, for instance. Wait, no, I didn't. That that was insulting somebody else. I didn't mean to. Uh, Proceed, Ben. (laughs) Jeez. Didn't know you felt that way. Well, I didn't know you were going to say that last sentence. I was trying to. But, you know, you've. And here's a good good example. And I'm not trying to say that BYU's last athletic director wasn't any good. I'm just saying, like, Tom Holmo's good at his job. And it's obvious that he's good at his job. Why? Because not only do you see the effort, but you see the results. Like, you see the work and you see the payoff. Like, you get that it's working really well. And there are people who are really bad at their jobs who can tell you they're doing all the work and there's never any payoff at the end. Like, all the work that Tom Homo puts in, there's payoff. He says he's working to schedule games. And what happens? The games get scheduled. Yeah. He says he's working to get into a conference realignment. What happened? Conferences realigned and BYU was right there and they were ready to go and they fired it up in day one. Like When you're good at it, it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick. No offense to Tyrone Corbin. The jump from Tyrone Corbin to Quinn Snyder was really obvious really quickly. Like All of a sudden, practices felt right. Conversations with the coach felt right. There wasn't animosity towards the media in a way that isn't unusual for basketball. Like There aren't players getting sent home from road trips like Rajah Bell. Like, there was just, it was obvious quickly that this was somebody who knew what it, take to do the jo- what it took to do the job and before there wasn't. And so you do hope that that's what you're seeing now in the Pac-12. And I bet you, in that interview with him, not DJ and PK, but when the presidents were looking to hire a new commissioner, I bet you it felt pretty obvious pretty quickly the differences between Larry Scott and between the new guy and what you were hoping you were going to be hiring. Because Larry Scott, it was so obvious when he walked into a room that he was lying to you. I mean, he lied to, what, 20 radio stations at Pac-12 Media Day? Over and over, over and over again. And everybody the knew he questions. was lying. Every single person knew he was lying because he talked about the same things that didn't matter because the only thing that mattered was, are you making money? Are you bringing in money to make it more competitive? And he always talked about the Conference of Champions. 
just be the conference of college football playoff appearances. Just be the, just that's all anyone cares about. Go to the Final Four. That's all anybody wants, and you need to invest in your programs and make them cool again. And he just never really knew how to do it. Well, Klyavkov talked about uh, their their upcoming media deal and negotiating it, and and I'll get to that in a second. But can you imagine the the reaction inside the Disney boardroom or Fox or whatever? The day it was announced that Larry was not coming back. Stepping down, yeah. Dang it! <laughs> Shoot! Stop popping the champagne oh, bottles. We're man. mourning. We're mourning. Man, we yeah. were taking that dude to the cleaners. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a bad day when Correct. Larry got when Larry Correct. got fired. Um, but but he talked about negotiating the media rights deal. And, and what I liked about what he was saying was that that they're going to. He started off by saying, "Listen." Every P5 program west of the Mississippi, or west of Texas, whatever, uh, until BYU goes to the Big 12, is in the Pac-12. So if ESPN, Fox, CBS, whatever, want to air a game in the night window, there's only one place that they can go. And there's a tremendous amount of value in that. Now, what Larry Scott did was he seeded... All of the scheduling to ESPN or and and Fox, I suppose, but yeah. mainly ESPN with yep. that window, right? And and just said, you just tell us, correct, who's playing, and uh, thanks for paying us, correct. So Klyavkov said a byproduct of that is ESPN takes all the best games, all the best tier two games, correct. Uh, you know, tier one games can go to like Big Fox right, or, or right. ABC or whatever, but all the the, the best tier two games is just I. Believe why when Utah's good, we see them playing in the middle of the night all the time. Right. Because they take the best games and put them in that time slot right. where nobody's watching, but ESPN doesn't care because it's better than reruns of uh, SportsCenter or yep. whatever right. they're going yep. to run. So they're going to put the best games there because it's their interest they're worried about, and that hurts the league. Correct. That hurts the league. You don't get the exposure. No one's watching. Rankings, college football, playoff, Heisman, whatever. Which is sad nobody's because watching. it was actually a good product. It was weird, but like Pac-12 After Dark became a thing because it was fun football. It was weird, but it was fun. And if it was playing at 6 o'clock or earlier, instead of 8.30 at night, people still would have enjoyed it. It still would have been a fun product, but it was. It, it got a bad reputation because nobody was watching it. Pac-12 After Dark. How about Pac-12 After Lunch? Let's let's do something here. Yeah, anyway, exactly. he, he, he said they're going to prioritize stuff like that in the next negotiation where, hey, we'll, we'll play ball. We'll put some games in yeah. the time slot. We've got no problem. But you're not taking our best teams every week and putting them there because it's hurting. We don't get as many eyeballs on the product right and we're it it doesn't help with our branding which will be more worth more to the league than this current tv deal but larry scott never got that right and look if if those are the only games that are being played and geographically those are the only games that can be played because they're on the west coast and it's the only time anyone's still awake you're not playing an east coast game with an 830 tip so you have to take a a a western conference game the pac-12 has the leverage there so it's goofy to not recognize that you can't put Oregon and Utah there. Great point. You need to Great put point. Arizona State, Colorado there. That's Nothing else is on. Yeah, that's their leverage. Here You're you right. go, though. You're totally Nothing else right. is ready to go. Guess what you get? You get Washington State and you get Cal. But it's football and people love football. And Saturday night, they're sitting at home. They're getting ready to go out. They're unwinding. The kids are in bed. Whatever it is, they're going to have the game on. And they will watch Washington State Cal if that's what's on because they are pre-programmed to go to ESPN or ESPN2. And so wh- why would you give them Utah, Oregon, or UCLA, Utah at that time? And you're right. How often was that the 830 tip? It was mind-boggling. Remember the, the Utah-USC game 
where Utah beat Sark, and it was on like a last-minute turnover. Yes. It was in Salt Lake. You know what game I'm talking about? Yep. One of my wife's best friends got married in Washington, D.C. that weekend, and we went out there. And she was a Ute. The, the bride was a Ute graduate. The Oh, the, the groom was a Virginia Tech graduate. Funny. How about that? Small That's, world. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, but uh, but so the, the wedding party was big into the Utes and wanted to watch the game. So there was the wedding and then the after event, you know, mm-hmm. was going to a bar and watching the, uh, the Ute game. Well, that game, Ben, started at at least 8 o'clock local time, 10 o'clock there, maybe even 10.30. Mm-hmm. By the end of that exciting game, there were four of us left. Right. And these are like diehard die Ute people. Right. There were four of us left. And I'm not kidding. All the lights were on. The <laughs> the, the the chairs are on top yes. of the table. The manager is giving us dirty looks. Correct. Like, what are you still doing here? Correct. Yep. I mean, nobody is watching those games. Not even the diehards no, right. are watching those games. And that's a great game. Right. Utah, and, USC, down to the wire. Two really good teams. That's a great game. Nobody in the East Coast is watching it. ESPN doesn't care. Correct. That game should be in the middle of the day. Correct. Good product. Utah showed. You can have a good product. You can go up against the Big Ten. The best of the best. And you can show you can have a really good product. And yes, Larry Scott ruined it. Hey, good tweet from B, uh, from Mitch Harper last night. And I thought he had a really good you know, kind of a, a comparison for BYU going to the Big 12. You're not going to see BYU-Gonzaga tipping off at 9 p.m. anymore when they go to the Big 12. It's just not going to be a thing anymore. Yeah. Like Those are advantages. Not playing in good windows is a huge disadvantage for your team. Larry Scott. Yeah. Wow. They're they're well. They're good to be rid of him That's for sure. A good thing. Basically, anything was going to be. You know what? Maybe Klyavkov turns out to be full of it too. You never know. But it either it's a step up. It's a step. It couldn't be worse. Couldn't be unless somebody was just worse. going in and robbing people at gunpoint inside the Pac-12 offices. It could not be worse. Uh, one part which which was funny. He's from Vegas. You know where that was his last stop yeah. was Vegas, and and they asked him if he was going to continue with the basketball tournament and championship game in Vegas. And he's 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 all about negotiation, right? He doesn't want to eliminate L.A. because yep. he wants to he wants them to to bid on it. Markets, and yep. so you know he would absolutely love to have that stay in Vegas for a variety of reasons. But he was even like, "Hey, we're not going to eliminate anybody because I'll go anywhere. I'll go to Las Cruces." <laughs> yeah, right, right. You want to give us the most money? And he said, "He said we bring value to these cities. So, hey, let's get it here, Ben." Let's scrape together some dough. Let's get out here in the good old SLC. Let's make that happen. But thank goodness for Vegas. But but seriously, thank goodness they have that NFL stadium in Las Vegas. Well, they want to keep it in Vegas. Correct. It's it's the best way that they can get get fans to it, honestly. It's it's easy. Centrally located. Nobody wanted to go to Santa Clara. Right. And people don't want to hang out in Salt Lake City. No offense. Skiing. People want to go to Vegas. We'll play part of this conversation coming up next. It, it really was very good. Uh, keep a look for it on uh, kslsports.com as well. Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben on Friday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. Bell, bell. Jazz at 30 update here on Jake and Ben. News breaking. Rudy Gobert uh, has been cleared of NBA protocols to return to the team. Here is Donovan Mitchell after the Cavs loss talking about Rudy's value. 
It was no secret. I don't think we underappreciate him. Maybe the outside world might have. I don't think anyone in this locker room undervalued his presence. You know, in the same token, we lost two winnable games in Indiana and Detroit. Tonight, we had no centers. <laughs> this is no secret. He's the three-time defensive player of the year for a reason. The answer would be no because we all value him. I would say maybe externally it was, it was looked, as, looked at a certain way, but we all know that what, what it is uh, with Rudy. So I would say no because we know his value, know his worth. This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five Star Painting. They've got skills, uh, time, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! Sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 12 of the zone. Jake, sometimes you got to trust your instincts, and that's what uh, Travis Dye is doing, the running back for the Oregon Ducks. Transferring. He's hitting the portal. Into the transfer portal. Man. Uh, Oregon could be in trouble next year. Well. Lo- I mean, they have good talent, but they're losing talent as well. They're losing a lot of four-star kids, a lot of their uh, players they've relied on. Now, that is what happens when you lose a head coach, especially one that we can debate whether he was a good coach or not, but at least had a name and had had established himself at Oregon the way Mario Cristobal had. You lose a guy like that, and you're going to lose players. Unless he's bringing half of the Georgia Bulldogs with him. Should be great. But I have bad news. Georgia Bulldogs had one of their better seasons in recent years, this season. So a lot of those kids probably want to come back. Yeah, but you could go to him and say, hey, guys. Sure. How'd you like to work for Nike? Correct. And you're a second string kid. You can come be a starter here at Oregon. How would you like to work for Uncle Phil? Because he's uh, he's going to have you working for NIL. You heard of it? Heard of it? I bet those Georgia kids get paid pretty heftily. Hefty. Heftily. I bet those Georgia kids get paid pretty well coming back next year. Do you see... Uh, they getting shoe deals? Or are they Georgia slinging sneakers? used cars? Atlanta? Go to all the different party houses that they have in uh, Atlanta. Who was the, the kid Stetson Bennett? Do you see where he was yesterday? He was at Raisin Cane's, which is the fast food restaurant, uh, <laughs> signing hats. <laughs> just sitting in a booth by himself. And I just... It, it is the hilarious side of fame that some of these kids deal with. You watch movies and they find they kind of find funny ways to deal with it. Uh, the Wrestler is one of my favorite movies where he's just like Pete Rose signing baseball cards in these little tiny rooms. Now, like how we were talking about Poison <laughs> yesterday, the band Poison, and and who were we talking about opening for Poison? Oh, uh, um, uh, Vince Neil. Vince Neil. Just like you, you go from being on ESPN beating Alabama to win the MVP. Of the college football playoff, like, basically sign your name into the College Football Hall of Fame, and two days later, you're signing hats at a raising Gates in downtown Georgia for, I mean, I hope they paid him $15,000 to show up. 
You know, honestly, I hope he made 20000 bucks and made a bunch of money to go and sit there. But the photos of him, of him, you can tell he's like, what am I doing at Raising Cane's to sign hats and people's sh- dirty shoes? There's one I'm holding a shoe. <laughs> that's fame, buddy. You, congratulations, Stetson Bennett. You've made it. Well, that's part of the brilliance of the movie. This is Spinal Tap, right? Yes. That they start out playing stadiums Correct. and by the end of the tour, they're, they're at the fair. 100%. <laughs> A hundred percent. The band's breaking up and they're Correct. they're playing fairgrounds. What a great movie. You see the highlights. You don't have to live the lowlights. You know, the we get to see what it looks like to be famous for other people on Instagram and the you know, the highlights of winning all the big games and whatever. But yeah, the day to day stuff is some of the places you make money are difficult. Should we hear a little bit from uh Klyavkov? Yeah, Megan's ready to go. Uh I want to circle back around. I I don't know if it's in this section, but the, speaking of NIL, it was the one answer that he had that I didn't like. Oh, what did he say? He just seemed seemed a tad naive. We can get into it. Okay, we can get into it okay. coming up. But let's uh, let's hear a little. Uh, this is a little section of uh, the commissioner of the Pac-12's interview with DJ and PK this morning. I'm curious how much of what has gone wrong, what needs to be fixed, can be done by the Pac-12 commissioner and the conference office, and what percentage is on the schools? Because obviously the TV contract matters, and that's not something a coach can control, but obviously hiring good coaches, assistant coaches, and and bringing in talented recruits is not on the conference office. So what is the, the balance here? How much of this is on your plate? Yeah, listen, I think it's it's probably 80-20, probably 80% of the, uh, the decisions that lead to football success uh, happen on the campus and not at the conference. But the 20% is an important 20%, right? We, we have to be better about providing a better platform when we renegotiate our media rights. And, and that's related to revenue. It's related to distribution. It's related to competitive advantage, deciding who gets to play at what time of the day for, you know, for highlighting for AP voters uh, and CFP voters on the East Coast. So we, we have a lot of work to do, but uh, the, the, the larger input to football success comes on the campus for sure. Commissioner, at least publicly, there seems to be a reluctance to want to come up with a format to expand the playoff. How much of that do you think is self-serving in terms of the conferences looking out for themselves and aren't really interested in going beyond what's best for them individually? I think everybody's trying to balance what's right for themselves and their conference with what's uh, right for college athletics and college football. And it's a difficult balancing act. And I think, you know, in the past, uh, folks have had the opportunity to kind of work through these issues in private and, you know, make the kind of accommodations for each other that are required to get to a yes. And I think the mistake that we made in this process was we announced in June, you know, the month before I started, a uh, proposal that came out of a subcommittee, which were four of the 11 members that have to say yes to change the format within the current term. And it was announced the same day that the other seven got to see it for the first time. And I think in the past, what has happened is all of these really difficult discussions that have been going through the last seven months have happened privately, not in the press. (laughs) And, And then once you come to a solution, you announce it and everybody is delighted. I think we've missed that the fans' expectations back in June, but this is a process that I uh, that has happened from what I has been shared with me by the other commissioners every single time we've done this. Right, there's a negotiation. You get to the right answer. It takes time. Uh, this time we just happen to be doing it in the press, which I think is is a, is a bad idea, and I hope we don't do it again. 
Certainly an expanded playoff would bring in more money. Nobody doubts that, and that alone will probably ensure that it happens one day sooner, not later. But the whole competitive aspect of college football, I don't know that that changes, and I don't know that league's reputations change. Alabama and Georgia won semifinal games in blowouts, and most of the playoff semifinals since we went to a four-team tournament here, have been blowouts. So putting in teams 5 through 12 seems to say, well, we're going to have some more lopsided games. How will that change the Pac-12's image? Will it be, you know, if you, if you can't win those games and you're going out early or getting blown out by whoever is as good as Alabama or Georgia, it's going to be like the basketball tournament where there's some level of satisfaction in saying we were Sweet 16 or we were Elite 8 or we were Final Four. How's that going to work? Well, I, I think basketball is actually a really good analogy for why it will work uh, once you expand CFP. I think the you know the issue with a four-team playoff is if you were good in one of the early years of the four-team playoff, it becomes a lot easier to recruit five and four-star athletes and to get back there again. And I think you see that as kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because the teams that were good in the early years of the CFP got – uh, higher recruited players, they were able to get back, and now the vast majority of the CFP invitations have gone to four or five schools. And if we would have had a similar kind of structure in basketball, I think you would have never seen a team like Gonzaga be able to get into that mix. Right? It was the fact that you had 64 and then 68 teams uh, in the mix for basketball that allowed kids who wanted to go to Gonzaga to say, you know, I will get to play in my championship. I may not be the top four, the top eight team, you know, on the first or second line of the NCAA tournament when I get in, but at least I'm going to be playing in the tournament. And that allowed them to, over time, build a program, which is now a top 10 program. And I think that's what happens. I think when you have more access, uh, kids are broader in how they think about where I can go to school and still participate for a national championship. And then it takes time, but that over time allows for a much more democratic spread of the talent across college football. There's a section, George Klyavkov, conference commissioner for the Pac-12. Well, Jake, I don't like it. I don't like any of it. He's using common sense. (laughs) And when I'm listening to my conference commissioners, the last thing I want to hear is common sense. I want to hear lies. I want to hear the same light passed down that nothing works. It's unfixable, but I'm going to try my best to fix it anyways, as opposed to using common sense like, hey, putting more people on TV lets kids know there's not only four colleges in the world that exist. And if you can go to different colleges and have success, guess what? That's not just good for those colleges. It's good for the kids because there are 50 schools to go play basketball at where you can have success, as opposed to just thinking it's Duke or North Carolina or Kansas or Kentucky, which was the case for a long time. And right now it is the case with football to say, well, you can go to Alabama or you can go to Georgia or you can go to, you know, the four schools that matter, Florida, wherever you want to say they are right now. And when we've realized, hey, you know what? You can go to Utah State and have a lot of success. You can go to BYU and have a lot of success. You can go to Utah and have a lot of success anywhere in the Pac-12, anywhere in the Big Ten or the ACC. The more you see those schools, the better they're going to be. And yes, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if those are the only schools that are on TV that they're also going to get the kids because marketing works, branding works, selling commercials works. Uh if you open that up a little bit by just putting more spots on television or expanding the college football playoff, that can be helpful as well. So I don't disagree with that, but I don't like I don't like the comparison to basketball in in this sense, um, uh, Ben, because he kind of dismissed the lopsided playoff games thing. He kind of 
chucked that aside and then started talking about, uh, you know, uh, kind of what you laid into right there. Uh, it's going to be a problem because f- football and basketball are way different sports. The reason basketball can be competitive when uh, Maryland, Baltimore County takes on UVA is because one player Correct. can make such a giant yes. bit of difference in even the playing field. Football, there's 22 dudes. And it's you could have you know you could be Deion Sanders and get the best recruit in the entire country, and you're still going to get smoked by every D one program pretty much in the country because football and basketball are way different that Correct. way, and there just aren't that many dominant teams that can go head to head with one another, which is the flaw in the sport according to some people. But which is why you need to make it more democratic, which is what he's saying, and it will take yes, time. That's it what will, I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing it with it you. It will take time. But it can get there. It's never going to be equal. And look, you can still bet, you know, is Texas San Antonio going to be in the Final Four or is Michigan State going to be in the Final Four? Like, what's a better bet? It's still going to be Michigan State. Like, it is still very heavily lopsided towards those teams. Not as heavily as it is with football, but it is still lopsided towards those teams, even when you have this more democratic process of putting in 68 teams into the tournament. But it does help the case. It helped the cause. And I do think you can do that. It will never get to 60 schools, obviously, with college football, but it can get to 10 or 12 because right now it really is four. And if you get it to 10 or 12, and those last eight, because Alabama's, here's the other thing. Alabama's always going to be there, even if we expand, expand the college football playoffs. So is Georgia. You know, so are the major schools. They're always, Ohio State's always going to be good. Clemson's going to come back and be very good. But it will give a couple of other teams a chance to just mix themselves into that as well. And it will help 25 schools who get those last eight spots every couple of years. But it won't ever get to 60, you're right, like college basketball does. You know, just to illustrate my college basketball point, uh, and I don't know why Melo jumped out at me, maybe because he dominated college basketball in the one year he was there. Uh, and he's a Baltimore guy, right? Am yep. I remembering yep. that correctly? What if Carmelo Anthony went to Maryland, Baltimore County? Right. And Syracuse had the rest of the same team that they had that year. Who would you bet on if they played head-to-head? Right. Yeah, you're taking Melo. Every time. Every time. He'd probably win, what, nine out of ten times? At least give them a puncher's chance every game. Yeah, because he was that good. He was so much better. But that's than basketball. Correct. That's oh, basketball. Kemba Walker at UConn. I couldn't tell you anyone else who was on that UConn team. But Kemba went crazy in the Big yep. East tournament and then carried him to a national championship. Like, one player, you're right, can do that. Jared Allen oh. played for Wyoming. How did the Pokes do? C.J. McCollum, though, played for Lehigh. And what did they do? They beat Duke in the playoff, in the in the NCAA tournament. Like, yes, right. you can have one player that can help. You can't do that as well in college football. It's the reason college basketball is as dirty as it is, by the way. Because one player Correct. can change the fortune of everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see that as much. I'm trying to remember one-off players because it's so flawed. I mean, there's 22 players on the field, you know, so it's hard to say any one football player will simply dominate because you can't even say Vince Young. That doesn't apply because Texas was great on top of Vince Young being great and as good as USC. But, like, do you remember Ed Oliver at Houston a few years ago? Like, he was such a freak on the defensive line that he would ruin entire team schemes because he would blow up an entire offense. And Houston was a top 25 team because they had Ed Oliver specifically on their D-line because he was just, he just wrecked shop. He just, there was nothing you could do at him. You could probably say that about Weddle a little bit. I mean, Weddle was just oh, Luther so Ellis. good. I mean. But man, yeah, you're right. There, it's not super common that one guy by himself can change a football game. To that degree, the way one college basketball player like a C.J. McCollum can, or a Carmelo, or a, or a Kemba Walker, some of the names we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's 
college basketball, if you get to look at, um, and I know we're over, I apologize, but look, uh, what's his name? Wade. Will Wade, is that his name at LSU? That uh, lands Ben Simmons yeah. for no reason whatsoever, but it puts LSU on the map for a variety of reasons. One, they're getting a little more exposure. Two, they're willing to do what it takes. Yep. Yeah, you that, know? That is the funny thing that, like, people thought that was bad publicity. That's great publicity. Yeah. We'll pay you if you come here. Right. And then he got in trouble a couple of years down the line, which they still haven't pinned him down on. And lo and behold, what happens when you get a guy? When you get a dude? Yeah, right. And well, ask Larry Kraskoviak, what what happens when you land two NBA guys? Yeah. Jakob Pertl and uh, DeLon Wright. Interest right. follows. Go to the Sweet 16. Yep. What yep. happens when you don't land those dudes? Huh? Lose your job. <laughs> yeah. But that's college basketball. That's why the pressure is so high, and that's why there's so much dirty business going on. Speaking of that, NIL, can I can I run uh, my thoughts by you coming up next? Yeah, let's do it. We and should we'll, talk some jazz basketball, too. Oh, we do, because Rudy is coming back. I yeah. suppose that's a big deal. Well, let's, let's do that. We'll, do we'll save the yep. NIL for uh, 11. the 11 o'clock. Okay, sounds so good. Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get up, set to urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Whoa, amber is the color of your energy. Whoa, shades of gold is playing naturally. Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll talk some jazz here in a sec, but uh, Ben, should we give away uh, some tickets? Let's do it. It's a family four-pack of Stars tickets to the game tonight at Salt Lake Community College. Be the 12th caller right now. You get a family four-pack. The Salt Lake City Stars, the G League affiliate of the Jazz, are a fun, affordable family night out. Jazz players like Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, and Jordan Clarkson all played in the G League, so don't miss your chance to see the next up-and-coming stars. Kids will love the University of Utah Health Kids Zone featuring bounce houses, face painters, and balloon artists. Tickets uh, start at just 12 bucks. Call uh, call or text 801-325-STAR or visit slcstars.com to reserve your seats today. Or simply be the 12th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE. Stars games are cool. Go check them out. They're fun. It's cheap. It's easy. I mean, these are free tickets for you, but the food's cheap. You're right close to the games. You're going to see jazz players. It's a it's a fun thing to do. Not just playing. I mean, a lot of times jazz players go and hang out in the crowd and you know watch the games too yeah. and support their teammates. So very cool there. Hey, good news for jazz fans though. Uh, announced this morning by the Jazz that Rudy Gay and Rudy Gobert have both cleared COVID protocols. So uh, Sunday, when the Jazz face the Nuggets, there's at least a chance you'll see those guys back. Real quick on the stars, it's also Princess Night tonight. I failed to mention them. That's kind of a Even big better. deal to people out there. So Salt Lake City stars. Rudy uh, and Rudy coming back. Uh, a huge deal. I mean, they just need more bodies. And I know you're and thinking... Rudy's a great player. Yeah, well, obviously. But yes, but you're right. They need players to play. And uh, you are a little doom and gloomy. You think uh, some other players might be uh, headed in. So... I guess the sooner you can get players back, I mean, it's just going to be better for everybody, let alone uh, Rudy Gobert, of course. We've, uh, we heard Donovan talk about it. His, his value is quite high. Yeah. Jazz are practicing today. They had yesterday off because I'm sure they are trying to limit whatever exposures there could potentially be because it's just everywhere right now. You're going to get exposed to it if you're out and about and running around. So 
I'm sure in a lot of ways the Jazz are trying to avoid that as much as possible, and they'll get on a plane to Denver tomorrow and again try and just pack into their hotel room and avoid it so you can have as healthy a roster as possible because I think it's easy to understand why the Jazz have lost four games in a row. Like, yeah, you don't have Rudy Gobert and then you don't have eight other guys. Also, it's really hard to win games when you're missing eight players of a 15-man roster. And I understand, I got a tweet that said, well, it was only three rotation players, which is like, well, the rotation's nine guys long. It's a third of the team, and it's 90 minutes of basketball that you're not getting from those guys out of a 240-minute game when you combine, you know, 48 minutes over five people. You're losing a lot of hoops. You're losing a lot of basketball from those guys. So, plus it was everybody at one position. So, you really need to get some of those bodies back. That will be a boost. And, and the Jazz need an emotional boost right now because you can tell not only are they in the dog days of it, of basketball, they're missing each other. It's hard. I'm sure it's, it, I'm sure it's very anxiety-inducing to, to wonder, am I going to get stuck in Denver for three nights? Am I going to get stuck in Toronto and I get stuck in Indianapolis? Which Joe Ingles said he got stuck in, for three days in Denver because he had COVID. So did Rudy Gobert. They had to fly back separately on these little tiny planes. So it's, it's not an ideal way to be playing basketball, to be traveling. So I'm sure they're going to be happy to just be getting those guys back. They needed a day off. Badly. Badly. They needed this three-day break. Right. Badly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Joe, speaking of Joe, uh, talked about this yesterday with uh, with David and Pat where he said he was the only one who was going to be at the facility because he kind of said he'd had his time off and he needed time in the gym. Right. Whereas everybody else, he, he thought he'd be the only one there because everybody else needed Needed a day. Sometimes Correct. don't we all just need a day? I need a day. From your, away from your people, away from even though you love your teammates, you probably need a day away from them, or you need a day to go back to work and just clear your head. So I, I think that's completely understandable, and I think the Jazz will probably look, assuming you can keep some of that backcourt healthy, uh, you can get some of that... Uh, some of that mojo back going into the game against Denver and then uh, ideally against the Lakers. Those are two games the Jazz can win, which would be a nice turnaround after losing four in a row. Our friend Trevor Allen is going to make his uh, normal stop onto the show coming up uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. We have top three stories at kslsports.com at 1130. Hey, Jake, real quick. Can we just offer our condolences to the two kids that were shot at Hunter High School yesterday? Not to throw this in and not to dismiss it, but just a heartbreaking story for our community. It's close to our community because, yes, they were football players, but Jake, I think you and I more as parents, as, you know, being young kids ourselves at one point, running around, just, it's just a horrible loss. Just Paul Tahi, uh, Tavini Lopati, and of course, uh, Matt Asiata, Sonny from Asiata. It's just, it's just horrible. It's just heartbreaking. Breaks my heart to think about it. These two poor kids, their families. It's just heartbreaking. So I think yeah, I, I'm with you. It's just, it's just really sad. Feels unnecessary. It's, it's, an, it's a loss. It's just yeah. a waste. It's just such a waste, and it's yeah. it's unfortunate. So uh, glad you mentioned it. And uh, yeah, it's a tough. I know thing. Megan wanted to as well. So uh, yes. all of us here just extend our condolences. Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.